0: Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. This program is designed to provide general information with regards to the subject matters covered. This information is given with the understanding that neither the hosts, guests, sponsors, or station are engaged in rendering any specific and personal, medical, financial, legal, Counseling, professional service, or any advice. You should seek the services of competent professionals before applying or trying any suggested ideas. Good day, beautiful, bountiful, beloved, immortal beings and good-looking people. And remember, you're good-looking because you're was looking for and finding the good. And we have good in abundance today. We have one of the most powerful, purposeful, positive, pleasant shows you will ever listen to almost anywhere in the podcast world, but certainly on this show, which is called The Joy of Living. And welcome, because you have consciously and specifically tuned in to the joy of living with your humble host, Barry Shore, B-A-R-R-Y-S-H-O-R-E, Barry Shore, at barryshore.com. And if you, I say that to you many times throughout the show because you ever miss a moment of the show, which you don't want to do, and you want to listen to it again, which today you certainly want to do and you want to share this with at least five people, which you absolutely must do, just go to www.barryshore.com, B-A-R-R-Y-S-H-O-R-E, because, again, you have tuned in consciously and conscientiously to the joy of living, and you did it for one reason and one reason only, because you care most and the entire world about you, Y-O-U. EWE. And that's great because when you care the most about you, you're going to become the best you possible. When you're the best you possible, you make the world a better place. You can build bridges of harmony. You can create more joy, happiness, peace, and love in the world. So this show is dedicated to you and people who have tuned in for years now, by the hundreds of thousands know that on this show, when you become the best you, you will be healthier, healthier, and wiser. And as Jack Canfield said, the author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, who doesn't want that? (laughs) Be healthier, wealthier, and wiser. That's what happens on this show, the joy of living with your humble host, Barry Shore. And today is something special, because on this show, We work with the three fundamentals of life. Those three fundamentals are, number one, life. Your life has purpose. And number two is when you live a purpose-driven life, the corollary of that, the result is, you can go mad. Now, in this case, mad is very good because mad is an acronym that stands for make a difference. When you lead a purpose-driven life, you can go into the world and make a difference. And the third fundamental we work with here on the show is you can unlock the power and the secrets of everyday words and terms, everyday words and terms. And when you do that, you become capable of thinking better, speaking better, acting better, and therefore bringing more joy to the world. A simple example of unlocking um, secrets, words. WWW. Ask anybody, what does WWW stand for? And invariably, they'll tell you, has to do with something to do with the Internet. And factually speaking, they're correct. But in our world, the world of the positive, purposeful, powerful and pleasant, WWW stands for drum roll, fanfare. Ta-da, ta-da. What a wonderful world. And a tip of the hat, of course, to wonderful Satchmo, Louis Armstrong, for enabling that song to go viral and touch not just tens or hundreds of millions of people, but billions of people around the planet. Now, speaking of that, we have right now joining you. 280,000, it says here right on the board, Two hundred eighty thousand, six hundred thirteen people around the world listening in. And, again, you're listening because of one reason. You care the most about you. Why owe you? And that's great. And this is hosted, by the way, by K4HD.com. So just, again, everything you're going to learn today, don't have to remember, just lean in. Let it flow over you because you're going to learn a lot. You're going to be amazed. You'll find all the information at www.whatawonderfulworld.barryshore.com. Now, I understand, whenever you hear that word, even the opening bars, right away, what do you do? You smile. (laughs) You can't help it, right? What a wonderful world. And SMILE is one of the greatest acronyms you can ever learn, utilize, leverage, and internalize. And that is SMILE stands for Seeing Miracles in Life. Every day, <laughs> seeing miracles in life every day. Now, I write up, we have up on the board already, um, what do you call it? 10, 20, 30 different people asking me, say, But Mr. Schwab, I haven't, hours where I haven't seen any miracles. And I asked them, Are you here? Can you hear? Can you see? Do you have water to drink? Do you have food to eat? Do you have a place to sleep? Do you have friend, family, friends? Those are all miracles. Simple proof a million plus people did not. Get out of bed this morning. Why? Because they died. They didn't get out of bed. They died. You didn't. You're here. Celebrate life. Another million plus people, because we're in a pandemic, we're in 2020, in the middle of the summer of 2020 in the Northern Hemisphere. And this show, God willing, will be listened to for years, decades, maybe even a century from now. In the same oh, yes. Back in 2020, there was a pandemic. A million plus people couldn't get out of bed this morning because they're infirm. I hope 99.99% of everybody watching, you're able to get out of bed. Now, those of you who know, because we have about 230,000, 240,000 people tuning in every week, another 30,000, 40,000 come because their friends say, hey, you got to listen to Barry Shore, joy of living because it's good for you. You'll be healthier, wealthier, wiser. So most of you know the story, but those of you who don't, I'll just explain to you again. Your humble host. Looks completely hale and hearty right now, and he was. But on September 17th, 2000, 2004 I was standing up in the morning, just like I hope, 99.99% of everybody watching, able to leave tall buildings in a single bound. That evening, I was in the hospital, paralyzed, my so neck down, completely, totally paralyzed nothing of my body moved. it was a rare disease it was not an automobile accident it wasn't a spinal injury a rare disease took over my body and rendered me completely totally paralyzed i was in the hospital for many months i was in a hospital bed in my own home for two years i couldn't turn over by myself can't even move my fingers now four years in a wheelchair i had braces on both my legs my hips to my ankles and that was progress thank god today I am able to be vertical, and ambulatory, all be with the help of a six and a half foot walking wand made for me by a Zen master, but I still can't walk up a stair by myself or a curb, and I have helped 12 hours a day, seven days a week. But you hear my voice, positive, purposeful, powerful, and pleasant. Why? Because I learned how to see miracles in life every day. Or as my eight-year-old niece asked me just a few weeks ago, Uncle Barry, can we spell smile S-M-I-E-L? Hmm. I said, well, smile, smile. Why not? I asked her, how come? She said, then it would stand for seeing miracles in everyday life. Out of the mouth of babes, an eight-year-old. And When you hear that, you begin to understand how you can create the kind of world we all want to live in. That's what I'm going to be talking about today. Creating the kind of world we want to live. Create stands for causing rethinking, enabling all to excel. And the best way to excel is by utilizing the two most important words in the English language. And when you use these two words consciously and conscientiously three times a day for the rest of your life, you will make a difference. These two words are drum roll, fanfare, da-da-da-da. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because thank stands for to harmonize and network kindness. To harmonize and network kindness. The Dalai Lama has been quoted as saying, and I've written in his writings, be kind whenever possible. And it's always possible. Kind stands for keep inspiring noble deeds. Say these two words consciously, conscientiously, three times a day the rest of your life. You're walking into a coffee shop, hopefully we'll be able to do that soon, and you order a latte, you sit down, somebody brings it to you. Say thank you. Go in the coffee shop. You order a fancy latte, five and a half dollars, and sit down. Nobody brings it to you. Go to the counter and say, "Oh, I'm sorry, we forgot. I bring it to you." A few minutes later, it's glad to go by, and they bring it to you. you. Say thank you. You're walking out of the coffee shop, and it's raining out. Somebody holds the door open for you. Thank you. You're walking out of the coffee shop, raining out. Somebody slams the door on you. Thank you. You're in traffic, late for an appointment. Somebody cuts you off. You say thank you. Get up in the middle of the night, and you stub your toe, and it hurts. You say. Thank you to Harmonize and Network Kindness. And it is my great honor, pleasure, deeply humbled, to be able to introduce to you one of the most kind, giving, considerate human beings I've ever had the pleasure of interacting with. And he is John Harmon in the flesh. John, would you please make your appearance and say hello to 280,613 people around the world?
1: Hey, Barry. It's Nice to be on your show. i, I got to tell you, I, this is my first time uh, listening to your show and hearing the, the introduction, and I can tell I already love it. This is, uh, this is fantastic. I, I love what you just shared with your audience, and I know we'll have a good time talking, but that, that was fantastic. Well,
0: that was fantastic. thank you for that. And by the way, John, first of all, is um, let's look at what he is. He is a leader. He was in the military. Uh, thank you for your service. He is an attorney. Don't hold it against him because he's a practicing attorney on the defense side. He, he um, works at what they call bet the company kind of legislation. And he wins because he takes people who are doing not nice things and makes them toe the line and pay the bill. Which is very good. And not only that, he's not just an attorney at a very large and prestigious international law firm. He's the head of this great law firm. And it's called McGuire Woods, correct, John? Correct. He's headquartered in Richmond, Virginia. We'll talk about that a little bit later because Richmond is a very interesting city, especially in today's environment. And in addition to that, he's a husband, loving husband. He's a father of four. He is male. Okay, you can see that. He's dark pigment. You see that? I'm not. So all of those things. But notice I I said that last because that doesn't define John. John and I have become, uh, how should we say it, speaking buddies because of something that he did. He touched me to the quick, as we say in uh, Mm -hmm. classic literature. Uh, Just tell you very quickly, my wife likes to read to me. And I enjoy her reading to me. And uh, one of the favorite things we do, and usually in the afternoon the weekend, is she reads to me the editorial page or the op-ed page of the Wall Street Journal. John had, we called a penned an article, but he probably typed it, that was so moving, so caring, so insightful that I pursued him. I needed to reach out and meet this amazing being. So without further ado, what I'd like to do is say, John... Thank you for being here, and let's bring to people all over the world your message, which is, we'll encapsulate it in two words. Don't hate. Let's say it again, everybody. Don't hate. And I'd like, in your own words, if you'd be kind enough, to tell the the powerful story of how you came to it and the genius of your parents, especially your father, and what it means to us today in the United States of America, which is going through turmoil and turbulence And by the way, the good news of that is, with turbulence and turmoil, you can go through the storm and come out the other side, because in addition to everything else, John is a believing Christian, a Bible reader, user, and sharer. So, John, i like to speak less and ask you to speak more, if you please.
1: Sure. Well, Barry, thank you for that wonderful introduction. Um, Maybe what I'll do is I'll just share the lesson I learned that, that you referenced Barry in the uh, Wall Street Journal op-ed. So um, when I was uh, 14, I grew up in New York on Long Island and I grew up in a, in a largely, almost predominantly white suburb called Port Jefferson. And when I was 14 years old in 1979, uh, someone burned across uh, in the yard across the street from us. In our uh, neighborhood, about a, about 100 cookie cutter homes, there were two African-American families, our family and the family across the street. And uh, they burnt this cross in the yard right across the street. And my parents, uh, I didn't see the cross when it was burning. My parents told me about the cross. And you can imagine being a young man, 14 years old, there were a lot of negative emotions that kind of rose up in me. But uh, as I indicated in the the Wall Street Journal piece, my parents, in particular my dad, uh, taught me just some very valuable lessons in the aftermath of that. And as Barry kind of referenced, the the lessons I learned first and foremost was don't hate. The second one was don't hide. And then the third one was don't don't be a victim. And so, um, you know, my father, as I would later learn, um, kind of knew and suspected who the person was who had perpetrated this vile act of hatred. And I think if it had been me, I would have taken a very different course. But what my father taught me in that process was no matter what, you never defeat hate with hate. Uh, my parents, you know, ingrained in us from when we were very young that the central commandment Uh, of the New Testament was to love, to love other people. And so even though my father kind of suspected who it was and um, that individual was still welcomed in the home, uh, he refused to allow us to get into the negative emotions of hating people. And it really laid the coursework for my life and a whole host of other situations that love is really the only way to defeat hate. You never, ever defeat hate. My father marched with Dr. King, and as many of you know, that was a central tenet of, of his peaceful protest in the civil rights movement. So in the course of this event, the, the probably the biggest and the most important thing we learned was was don't hate. And, um, you know, I can I won't bore the audience with a whole bunch of other things, but I know everybody else in this audience has had situations, albeit from... Something bad that happened to you from a relationship, from business, a whole host of things. But bitterness and holding on to it, what I learned was it never, it never, um, it never helped the situation. It makes things worse and it doesn't make the situation any better.
0: I'd like to um, make mention here because again, I've been studying what John wrote and along with a number of other things, and there were just so many uh, interesting, amazing pieces here. I want to share two things, though, with John at the moment. I think he might like, first of all, to put the setting for people. We have people listening from all over the world. We have a large contingent of people, by the way, listening from India, um, another significant group from China and, and Japan, and some from northern Africa, some from uh, southern Africa, a number of people listening interesting <laughs> from Zimbabwe, and... Um, uh, Zambia, and we're just pulling out a couple of things in Australia. And not everybody knows the, the geography of the United States. So John is sitting in a place called Richmond, Virginia, which is a very interesting city we'll talk about in a few minutes, I hope, or later in the show. I'm sitting in a place called Venice Beach, California. But to suffice it to say, when John says he grew up in New York on Long Island, that is, uh, as you mentioned, predominantly. White at the time, that was late 1970s, and so I also want to make mention to people around the world that on this show, we do use four letter words. I'm just warning everybody in advance, we use four letter words. I even use the four letter FU word, and I do it for shock value and because it's fun. Now, but what are the four letter words that we use? Look at I see John's forehead wrinkling. He said, What are they doing to me? Well, because the four letter words that we use on this show are love, give, hope. Holy, grow, free, help. Those are four-letter words. And the four-letter F-U word that we use is fun. Fun, F-U, capital N, capital N. Now, people always say that Barry sure, fun has only spelled three letters. But again, not in our world. The world that John and I inhabit is the world of the positive, purposeful, powerful, and pleasant. So in our world, it's spelled F-U capital N, capital N. So when you see your family and friends later and you point a finger, a big smile on your face. Remember what smile stands for? Seeing miracles in life every day. And you point a finger and say, F you, everybody. Remember the ad, capital N, capital N. You say, where'd you get that from? Barry Shaw, the joy of living. Had on this amazing guy, John Harmon, who said the other four-letter word, hate. Now, hate doesn't exist in our vocabulary. You know, not because we're naïve, but because, I want to quote John's father. See, John's father said, don't let that worm its way into you because it will transform you from a human to a hater. John's father understood intuitively. Now, it's hard to give that over to a 14-year-old. John uh, understood it much better as he aged, and he ages very nicely. But the point is that a being that is consumed with hatred is not human. They appear to be two-legged. You have all the appearances of a human, but that's not human, because the human being is made in the image of the Lord, and the Lord is a a channel of goodness, is a channel of love. That's who John is. That's who John was raised by, a mother and a father and siblings. Now, by the way, part of the good news and and difficult news is that John readily admits, and we said in the article, it's A true difficulty in the, specifically in the African-American community today, that there are not enough two-parent homes raising children. And it's contributing to the difficulty of labeling younger children, especially males, because males are like young lions. Unless you give them a channel to do something right, they're going to lash out. Unless you give them that path to move on with purpose, that's and powerful and pleasant, they will take potentially a wrong turn until they meet John, either in, maybe even in prison where he teaches the Bible, to enable people to recognize say, oh, you're right. See, hatred, by the way, H-A-T-R-E-D, the same letters, I love to work with words as you do, John, because you're a wordsmith, that's what lawyers do, is the same word called dearth. D-E-A-R-T-H. Dearth means a lack, right? So hatred, by definition, means you're lacking something, and you're lacking the love component. So what I'd like to ask John to elaborate on is something uh, that happened to him at West Point, and that is about the idea of leadership. Because I said John is today n- not only just an attorney, he's the head of a very large Prestigious law firm. Please share with us, John, what it was about West Point, the military, that gave you the ability to understand that leadership has privilege and great responsibility.
1: Yeah. Uh, so thanks, Barry. So I, I think there, there are several things about um, both the, the, my experience at West Point and in combat and in the military. You know, when, when you really Um, from my perspective, great, great leaders are servant leaders, right? And so you learn very quickly in the military and you learn very quickly at West Point that there are no big I's or little U's when everybody is thrown into a situation where it's going to take everybody to get it done. And so you learned, I learned at West Point very quickly where, by the way, I really felt like at, at West Point to a very large extent and to the military, to a very large extent, at well, that, that everybody was kind of treated equally. You know, when we first got to West Point, everybody was treated like dirt. <laughs>
0: everybody. John is bringing out a very important point. It's not that you're treated beautifully with kid gloves, it's the opposite part. You got to learn that you are there at the bottom and you're going to work your way up. That's right. You're going right. to earn respect.
1: Yep. I mean, really, if you think about it, true leadership, when you are afforded the privilege, and I'm using my words very intentionally here, when you're afforded the privilege to lead and influence people, it has to be grounded upon humility, it has to be grounded upon kindness, and your willingness to serve those who you may be in charge of. And what better way to learn that than from being at the very bottom, which which West Point taught you. And so, you know, that that was a very important part of becoming a leader was learning that. But then, you know, kind of going beyond that is that, uh, you know, I believe that the leader, whoever it is, whether it's a Rotary Club, whether it's the military or whether, my instance, the, the chairman of, of a big law firm, you have to and you use this word earlier, Barry, in your program. You have to be willing to give yourself for the people that you're leading. Yeah. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to actually die, but, you know, there are so many different ways that you show service and kindness and, um, quote unquote, dying to yourself if you are on a very daily basis. It's little things. You know, you talked about being very thankful, Barry, um, you know, poor leaders, leaders who are selfish, who are um, who've never learned the importance of humbling themselves Uh, don't know how to be thankful for the little things that the people underneath them do. And they, you know, withhold those things. But a person who is really, in my view, a true servant leader is thankful for people doing all host of things, which, again, is something something that I learned um, both even really before I got to West Point, but also during my time and in the military uh, as a leader.
0: So let's take a point that I think you made so pointedly, I'm sorry to use the same word twice, when leadership becomes arrogance is when it goes off the rails. And we cannot have a conversation in today's world, 2020 summer, where there is true turmoil and upheaval in the United States, some of it remarkably justified because of the, the murder and the subsequent death, murder and death of George Floyd, at the hands of a being that should have gained our respect, a police officer who apparently let leadership lead to arrogance. As you so carefully pointed out, your craftsmanship of words was truly uh, penetrating. And unless one... enables oneself to continually understand that you are in service and there is no greater service than being a police officer or a fire person or in the military, unless you're continually working on that aspect, then by definition the other will kick in, Mm -hmm. and that will lead to arrogance. Arrogance will allow somebody to even commit murder, which it has done, and it triggered a powder keg. Let's be blunt, The, the country had issues anyway. But this was that ignition cap, as it were, on a very fragile situation that has erupted and causes, on the negative side, tremendous cost of lives of other people, damage, maybe even irreparable damage to the fabric of the country in certain ways. But on the positive side, conversation, other was one of the, the pieces that Made me reach out to you is the ability to say, by definition, John, we as Americans stand four square upon one fundamental that this country will not be torn apart by hatred. Am I correct in that?
1: I uh, yeah, that's certainly what I believe, Barry, and I certainly, you know, I I I, I can't say everyone. Uh, hopefully, all I'm sure all of your listeners do but I certainly believe that the country has the ability because of great people who are not going to allow it to happen to, to, you know, to be healed and to not allow it to be uh, torn by hatred and torn by bitterness. Um, that's certainly what I've been praying for, for some time now since it's all erupted because um, you know, there are seeds of that in our country. But I think I believe that good people and that the uh, the country will not be torn apart by this, even though at times it sure looks like it could be.
0: Yes, uh, and again, uh, I say it from a point of view of history. Again, we have a worldwide audience. So they may know the history as you and I do, but John is sitting in Richmond, Virginia. So there's an irony about that because Richmond, Virginia was the capital of something called the Confederacy during the American Civil War. So the country did did go to war and was torn apart. And part of it was by by hatred. There was a hatred for one group of people against another because there was a a tacit understanding at the founding of the country that this evil institution called slavery should die out. Everybody wanted it to, except for the people obviously had a, a vested economic interest, but they were actually few and far between. And there were certain circumstances that unfortunately enabled slavery to become economically viable. I hate to use the term, you know, the cotton gin. But what happened was that there were people who were so invested in hatred that they allowed the country called the United States to be torn apart. And John is sitting in the Capitol town. I mean, love, the, the, only the good Lord could do this. He has such a sense of humor, right? That the chairman of one of the most Prestigious law firms in the country is sitting on, let's say, I don't know, the 30th floor, or 40th, floor, wherever you are, you know, but other people would call, a, a, you know, a, he's American, he's a, a veteran, he's father, he's a, a, what do you call it, the husband, and he's black, and, and, and he's successful sitting in Richmond, Virginia. <laughs> Isn't it ironic in the most powerful, positive sense? Isn't it wonderful?
1: It is. It is. It is wonderful. And I think it's you know, I, I would point to that as a, a testament of how in certain respects we've come a long way. Right. I know during this time, it's very difficult for some folks to to see how far we have come because there's still a mm-hmm. way to go. But but, you know, I think it's you know, I I, I thank God for it every day uh, for allowing me to right be. Anyway, the-
0: I know you do. See, that's the genius service. of John. He is a thanker, because thanks stands for the and network kindness. On that note, we're going to do a quick break, because we love sponsors. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. We're going to go deep dive into some really interesting questions with John. And I trust everybody is sitting on the edge of the seat, because this guy is amazing, isn't he? Yes, John Harmon. We'll be right back. Brief break. Don't go away. Good day, beautiful, bountiful, beloved immortal beings and good looking people. And remember, you're good looking because you're always looking for and finding the good and you have found good and abundance. Join the keep smiling movement, worldwide movement to show and share the keep smiling cars in 27 languages, many different iterations. And not only can you go mad, Go make a difference. You can go make money. Yes. Take a selfie. Send us, go send cards. And now every week somebody's going to win a $25 electronic gift card. Hey, that's pretty cool. And guess what? You can stop the pandemic. You can stop the virus of bad, corrosive thinking by keep smiling because smile is internal, not just external. It comes from the heart. It comes from the mind. It comes from the lips and just Go and spread joy, happiness, peace, and love. Go mad. Go make a difference. Go make money. Good day, beautiful, bountiful, beloved, immortal beings and good-looking people. Remember, you're good-looking because you're always looking for and finding the good. Stress kills Joy heals. What color is your stress? You can find out. Go to BarryShore.com and take the free stress test, and you'll find out what color your stress is. From sunny, yellow, through green, blue, gray, or black, stress will kill. Joy will heal. You can reduce it, mitigate it, eliminate it. Go to BarryShore.com, find out the color of your stress. Do it now. Good day, beautiful, bountiful, beloved, immortal beings, and good-looking people. Remember, you're good-looking because you're always looking for and finding the good. And we have good in abundance. And his name is John Harmon. And John has been sharing with us the most beautiful insights that he gained from his father particularly. And that is, don't hate, don't hide, don't be a victim. Be a victor, not a victim. John, that was from your father. Now let's go to the next generation. Thank God you are a loving husband with four wonderful children, uh, ages 16 to 23, I think. Correct. If I remember correctly? And there was something you wrote in the article that I found especially interesting because I think it's your 23-year-old, um, your son, your firstborn, who is seeing what's going on around him. And as you wrote so poignantly, almost wants to taste the tear gas. In other words, to get involved because he has felt the essence of what we'll call discrimination by police officers driving around and etc. etc. pulled over for no reason whatsoever other than he identified, he said, hey, I'm black. That's why you pulled me over. But he wants to be out there on the front lines. He wants to be doing something. And you're counseling him in a different way and sharing with him. Would you be kind enough to share with the world what it is that you're sharing with your children at this very unique time? Sure.
1: So it's uh, all my children, I have four children, Barry, and uh, three of the four are out of the house at various colleges around the the country. So the pandemic brought everybody home. And, um, you know, it's been our practice, and I learned this from my father uh, when I was young but you know we after dinner we we inevitably try to eat together if i'm in town and then afterwards it's been our practice to kind of read from the bible together and talk about it and so with the kids being older you know uh 16 up to 23 with everybody home we we continued that and so oddly enough the uh and this is the way it happened but before george floyd's killing you know i just was really felt like what we needed to talk about was love. So we were uh, spending time in First Corinthians chapter 13 talking about love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. And so we had a long kind of uh, ramp up until the uh, unfortunate killing of George Floyd where we w- we were talking about these things and it wasn't the first time But when the protest and there have been a lot here in Richmond and they continue, my oldest son, um, who, you know, of all my children, you know, I love all my children just wonderfully like everybody else does on this call. But he's probably the most different from me. And, um, you know, uh, he would be the one who most kind of identified with things that were maybe on the a little bit of the opposite spectrum of where I would would view them. And so as a family, we had a lot of different discussions and what, you know, what, where we ended up and it may not be where other people ended up. But I told my children, I said, peaceful, like Dr. King, peaceful protest is good. Uh, others, violence, causing destruction, being disrespectful to the, those. Authority, I said, that's not good. And so, you know, we had a lot of discussion, but I, you know, I allowed my children to be involved with that parameter. And, and they, they did that, um, you know, and I think, um, you know, everybody has a different way to, to approach it. But, but mine was always centered on we, we've got to act in love, you know, that they're, they're going to know you are mine by your love is what Jesus said. And so we that's how we, we approached it. Um, I think if you interviewed my kids, my, some of them would say, right on, Dad. Others would say, I don't know if I wanted to do it that way. But that's how we approached
0: it. It's truly wondrous because you see the power of the generations by your father sharing with you. I will presume something for the moment. That your father was raised in a loving home. He may or may not have had two parents or your mother. But, you know, I don't know the situation, but love didn't spring just from him. I think it was a gift that was given to him. It's a, it's a learned process. And by the way, it's a process, not an event. Love takes time. In my humble opinion, unfortunately, hatred can be an event. Hatred can be sparked. Uh, it's usually involved with anger and rage And as we both know, there's a great line, uh, anger is the wind that blows out the lamp of reason. So in the heat of the moment, and heat is the same letters as hate, that that's how something can happen. But love takes time. And I think that what you gained from your father, and now that you're sharing with your children, even if the seeds are just being planted, and they have not come to full fruition yet, but they will fruit because that, as you know, is the power of love. Yep. That's why you're involved. That's the genius of what, by the way, one of the reasons that, that uh, I, I really wanted to reach out to John is because I knew, even before I met him and spoke with him over the phone and such, and, and saw his smiling face from his words, that that was he was living the truth. You see, it's really something to speak about the gospel, but to live it is a different thing. And he does it by, you know a man, by his deeds, not just only by his words. So John, again, not just a successful attorney, but he goes to prisons. And prisons are in, it's, it's, I, think it's, I think it's safe to say, the probably the closest thing that we have to the opposite of heaven on this earth. Even in America, which probably are the better ones in the world. But it doesn't matter. It is truly the opposite of heaven. And it's only when one hits bottom, oftentimes in such places, that when you bring the message of love, that you see that even in the most difficult of soil, you can bring about results. That's the power of love. I need to go to something else, though, that I just want to touch on this, if you don't mind, John, and I'm going to actually embarrass you in front of hundreds of thousands of people say, would you, would you come back again? <laughs> I hope you'll Barry, say. Hey. Barry, I'll tell you what,
1: Barry, uh, I will come back. I will come back again. I love, I love the, I love the title of your show. I love the spirit. I love, uh, you know, what you're teaching. So uh, yes, I will come back.
0: Thank you. Okay. I want to bring up uh, two articles one is from a couple of years ago. And we don't have to go in depth, just want to bring them up because it. I'm trying to understand. One of them is by a law professor. Uh, I think he's in a, I think Benjamin Cardozo School of Law in New York City. And his name is Iko Yanka. I don't know if you're even familiar with him. But he wrote no. a, an article that was published in the New York Times just a couple of weeks ago. And the The title of the article is an article they wrote several years ago, but they reprinted it. And the title is so fascinating. Can my children be friends with white people? And this is right. So this is from a law professor. We're not talking about just somebody. So a person standing who has sons and he's wondering if he could possibly even teach his children, his boys to trust white people. And I felt pain. Why did I feel pain? Because it hurts. It's not teaching love and teaching that as Dr. King would teach. You judge a person by their character, not their pigmentation. So I, I found that too. I don't want you to have to comment on it because it's not fair, you know, just to throw it out to you. But by the same token, on... Uh, July 24th, which this show is now, what, July 27th, so just a few days ago. And, again, in the Wall Street Journal is an article by a man named Ward Connolly, which I, I presume you know who he is. Mm-hmm. Ward Connolly is, the, I think, the head of a fairly large organization in California. Um, why am I seeing? Let me just see if I can find his actual title. of. Uh, peer, my fingers don't work like they used to. I'm sorry. He is uh, the president of Californians for equal rights and Ward, the very well written, well-spoken fellow, again, probably even (laughs) an attorney. He writes his title of his article is America is not a racist country. At least it's not, not systemically racist. And he goes with his proofs of why. And again, following the path of love and understanding and recognizing that we as humans, by definition, are flawed. That's us. And if we as humans are flawed, then guess what? A country could be flawed, right? <laughs> in other words, you can have high ideals. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal in the they're created with certain rights. and rights. That among these are life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Great sentiment. But that was written in 1775 or seventy-six. And the people who wrote it, some of them were slaveholders. So it's hard for people living in the 21st century to try and understand how those plate tectonics work out and say, well, how could they even think like that? Because sometimes they don't understand that humans are humans. So we only have a couple more minutes in today's session, John. But I would love you if you would be kind of just to speak to this whole idea of flawed humans Flawed country, but trying to live towards ideals.
1: Yeah, sure, sure, Barrett. You know, I guess first you you were kind enough not to put me on the spot with the first article, and I haven't read either of the articles, Um, but, but, you know, um, I, I think it's a mistake for us, right? Like, at this moment in time, there are, and there always have been, and unfortunately, unfortunately, in our country and in the world, we're never going to wipe out people who hate not in this not in this side of eternity. There's right. always going to be that. But we've got to be very careful that we don't start lumping in uh, groups of people um, uh, or um, institutions um, because, you know, I believe America is a great country. Uh, there's no question that the country was started from an African-American standpoint, right, with slavery, which was, as you pointed out at the beginning of the show, a horrific, uh, hateful institution. But our country has grown tremendously since that point in time. And for me, like just to hear the, the notion that can, can I be friends with white people, um, that's um I just, from my perspective, I just, I don't relate to that, right? People, there are, um, um, as you said, flawed people, but racism is rooted in hatred, right? Hatred because of your color, hatred because of your religion. And it's, it's, it's been since the beginning of time, since the beginning of the Bible, right? We can go right. back and see, see those things. Brothers! But, right. <laughs> But I I am not one who wants to throw out all of the good because of that there is evil. Uh, What I would choose to do is to shine a light on that darkness and allow the other good that we have to rise up. Now, there's work to be. You know, I don't want to sugarcoat it. There is work to be. done. There is definitely work to be done. But the notion that that we're irreparable. Or that every person who has a certain color or what have you, you can't you can't be friends with them. I, I just don't believe that, and so I don't. We want
0: to we do are up against um, because you know, there's something called a clock. I'm going to ask you in 30 seconds. Sorry, but it's only got 30 seconds. What's your most fervent desire, John? My
1: most fervent desire, you're asking at this point in time, given where we are? Yes. Um, you know, the thing I'm um, honestly, um, is that love would prevail. If you're asking thank me that. You in
0: front of, thank you. In front of hundreds of thousands of people, guess what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to embrace you in a big hug. Are you ready? I'm ready. One, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you! You've been listening to the joy of living. The humble host Barry Shore, and you've tuned in for one reason only: because you care most in the whole world about you. And by listening to today and sharing with five friends, listening again, share this message of joy, happiness, peace, and love. You will go mad. You can go make a difference in the world because it's all built upon. Two words, thank you, thank you, thank you, to harmonize and network kindness. Everybody, everybody you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Be kind always. Go forth, live the blessing, live exuberantly, and spread those seeds of joy, happiness, peace, and as John says, love. Bye now. Thank you, John. Thank Thank you, Barry.